Welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Oh, hello. Welcome to the 1% Better Podcast. It's a Friday evening as I'm putting together uh, this show, the one that goes out on Sunday, Monday. And I'd just like to say quickly that the episode that was released last weekend, last Monday, with David Saunders, Got a really, really good reaction. Very big numbers. Uh, I can only really tell that through SoundCloud because I have no idea how uh, iTunes track it. It's very mysterious indeed. But uh, David's story was very well received. Uh, I was in touch with him during the week. He had a lot of people reaching out. And I'm delighted. Uh, that was the whole purpose to get his story out there. Hopefully you got some good tips out of it. And I wish him all the best in the future. Just on the episodes... They're all available now on iTunes, which have been from the start. You can get them through the site. Uh, I've recently added it to TuneIn Radio. It's also on the Podcast Republic and Stitcher, but nobody listens to Stitcher in, in Ireland. It's also on some other directories, I'm sure. Wherever it's been pulled from, it's there. What I would love is if you do like an episode and you're listening through iTunes, it's almost like an experiment. If you rated the show or give it one of those stars out of five, preferably five, but it's totally up to yourself. I'm eager to see if that has an impact. Uh, some weeks we don't get a huge reaction on SoundCloud, but it goes up the charts in uh, iTunes and then last week, when we had the huge numbers from SoundCloud, it didn't go anywhere on iTunes at all. You know, the higher the better. Obviously, that would mean more people get to see it when they're trawling through the podcast lists and they might start listening and all things will be great. So, be great if you did that. Okay, on to this week's episode. This one is a first in that I recorded it in Longford with some lads from Longford, which I was delighted to do. In this episode, I talk with Owen Tynan. He is the managing director and co-owner of St. Mel's Brewing Company, which was set up a few years ago with the co-founder Liam Hanlon, also from Longford. So St. Mel's Brewing Company produce craft beers, and I must add very tasty ones at that. Liam Hanlon is a brewmaster by training, and he brought his biotech skills to the company. And Owen, who I talked with for the episode, brought his business skills to the table, having a background in business, a degree and a master's in business management. So the guys set up the company in October 2013 and started production in May 2014. Sales came out just a couple of months later. They were planning it for about two years prior to that. As Owen will explain, uh, beer has always been an important part of his life for brewing. It was in the family from a young age. And at his own wedding, Liam produced uh, some some nice beverages that the, the group could uh, consume. And it was really from there to start to take this idea a little bit more seriously and a bit more further. So after that, they started putting a business plan in place. And during the show, we go into details about how they set up the company, how they continue to juggle their day jobs, how they managed to get funding, and from there moved into production. We touch on so many different things around building the business, distribution, creating new flavors, which was quite interesting, and the marketing of the beer. They have gone from strength to strength over the last few years and are now actually selling the beer in the US and looking to move into Europe and more into the UK. I try to ask some questions around craft beer that I hear people ask and talk about themselves of the explosion, how it's grown, and we touch on, we certainly touch on that. Owen talks about the market size in Ireland, how it's grown over the last number of years, their first big break, and lots more conversation around that. We even get into, for some reason, talking about Longford Town 
football club and at Lone Town. So you have to listen into that and see where that tangent comes from. Personally, I have a huge interest in craft beer and uh, consuming it on the night with Owen and a couple of guests uh, in the audience was really, really good fun. You know, it is a great Longford story. There's a, an entrepreneurial spirit alive and well in Longford. And I think it's great to share that story, not only with folks from Longford that already maybe know the guys, but also with folks further afield. During the conversation, we sampled all eight of St. Mel's beers, purely from a research perspective, I may add. They have IPAs, lagers, brown ales, so much more. We'll get into that during the show. I have to say it was a really enjoyable podcast. I know I'm biased being from Longford and liking craft beers. And, you know, what about it? It's good to get that story out there. I hope you enjoy it. And as I said earlier on at the start, it'd be great if you liked it. Give us a like on iTunes uh, and a comment. So I'll leave it there. Enjoy the show with St. Mel's Brewing Company. Welcome, folks to another episode of the 1% Better Podcast. I am here in Longford on a Saturday night. Two things that come together perfectly and always turn out pretty right at the end. Longford on a Saturday night. And I'm here with Owen Tynan. Owen, welcome. Thank you very much, Rob. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, I really appreciate you uh, taking a little bit of time out of your Saturday night to uh, to do the podcast. Always make time for you, Rob. Sounds good. Um, so, so maybe just give me a little bit of an overview about St. Meds Brewing Company, Owen. Right, well, where to start? We opened our doors in October. We moved into the unit here in October 13. And we started production May 2014, sales June 2014. So we're just about a year or three years on the go. Three years on the go, yeah, and about two and a half years or so in preparation before that, doing our business plans and, and all the rest of it. You know, and it's, it's it's safe to say it's one of uh, one of Longford's success stories over the last few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, when we opened up in we opened up in fourteen. It was actually the same time as the cathedral in the town that burnt down in two thousand and nine. So that was rebuilt, huge community effort behind that, a lot of good vibes, and uh, we opened up at the same time, and kind of as a, as a kind of nod to that, and uh, because it's just down the road beside the college, and um, and because we're f- I'm from Arda, which uh, Arda Diocese, Clumac Noise, we're trying to, we named the company St. Mel's Brewing Company, uh, just to kind of link ourselves to the region where we're producing, and mm-hmm. where, where most of our... Uh, customers are and uh, yeah it just lets people know that we're from the midlands and from ireland and uh, i'm proud of it i'm proud of it it's right Excellent. brilliant it's a, it's a good story and i guess we'll get more into the the whole business side of things uh, as we get through what i typically like to do um early on in the episode is to maybe go back in time a little bit talk about yourself as you were growing up was uh was setting up your own brewery something that was uh, burning inside you as a young lad? Well, I've always been a beverage enthusiast since I was able to be enthusiastic about I can concur. Legally and my brother is one as well. So <laughs> yes. We run in the family there. Right? Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, so like, we were always into beer, as you do, as your young fellas growing up. I would have done a bit of home brewing. There's a tradition in the family of wine and 
beer production uh, consumption and production and consumption and production you know I was very fascinated with the whole process um, when yeah so myself and Liam Hanlon I have to give a shout out to Liam he can't be here with us tonight but uh, he is the other half of the company and he is a brewmaster by training uh, so myself and Liam were in college together in Minute from about 98 to 2001 2002 uh, he would have done biotech in Minute at the time, and I was studying arts. Uh, I went on to study business, did a master's in management in Smurfit, UCD Smurfit business, and he went off to Harriet Watt in Edinburgh to do his master's in brewing. So he actually had so he's He's a master, he's a brew, no, he's a master brewer, not a brewmaster. Right. A brewmaster is a certain a different qualifications that given out I think by the IBD in England, and that that's a nine year course or something. He just hasn't done the whole amount of tickets, but he's he's recognised as one of the top qualified brewers in the country. And he would have started brewing with the Dublin Brewing Company. I think it was two thousand and four. They've since folded up. They're near North King Street in Dublin. He finished up there and went down to Carlow Brewing Company. Uh, that make the O'Hara's range of beers, yeah, yeah, yeah. down in Carlow. And, uh, yeah, he was with them until about 2012, I think, he uh, finished up with them. So, yeah, we were always talking about beer. We were always very interested in it. Uh, he had always set up, you know, he always wanted to make beer professionally. Right. You know? um, so... It was around about the time of my wedding in 2010. He actually provided beer for the event, okay. which we held in the backfield at the, at the back of the house. Right. Put up a marquee, and he, he provided the liquid refreshments. So, yeah, we emptied about six barrels of beer that weekend right. over two nights. And uh, we, got, <laughs> we got chatting. But there was... There was just myself and him. All oh, right. Sounds <laughs> like a weekend. <laughs> and 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 obviously my lovely wife Melissa. Of course. Um, so yeah, when we were during that, we were kind of chatting about it, and we'd always been kind of chatting about it. And I always knew that he wanted to do his own thing. Um, so because I had done the business masters, he asked me to give him a hand writing the business plan. Mm. Um, so when we got kind of stuck into that, I got more drawn into it, and then... You, you were know, working at the time, though, were you? I was or working was in Dublin. I was working in the uh, financial sector up in Dublin. Uh, I was various kind of back office banking, uh, investment fund stuff. No cash in for it? Admin sort of side of things. Yeah, well, you know, as you do, like, you know, you come out of college, you're in you're in the Dublin. If, if you're going to stay in Dublin, you have to get a job or you're emigrate. You wasn't a whole pile coming down here. Now, we did, like, we did want to come home. A uh, big factor of coming home was the fact that two, both of us were married, having kids and staring down the barrel of a big mortgage in Dublin town, either that or come home and try and be self-employed, you know, mm. so we, that was the motivation, I suppose, behind it, and yeah. um, when we got uh, we got that far, uh, wrote our business plan, we would have had that written basically well finished off by mid two thousand. 12, yeah, turned up 13, and we set up the company January 2013. Uh, so just, just on the business plan, but again, I know we're having a beer or two here, mm-hmm. so we do have to try and stick to the, the ethos of the 1% better, and hopefully people listening to this uh, mm-hmm. are, might be in a situation where they're, they're thinking about setting up their own business, yep. they want to dip their toe in 
doing that, setting up a, a startup. When you were both putting that business plan together, were you both holding down your normal day-to-day jobs? Oh, yeah, very so much you're, so. you were trying yeah. to juggle the two. We were doing it kind of on, on the spare time. It took us, it took us two years to put it together, you know. Right. And uh, the real, like, you know, it comes from... The clincher is when you go to get funding, you have to get serious about it then. Right. And you have to prove to people that you're you're going to do what you say you're going to do. You can't really just go and uh, take money off people and not fall, pull through on it. Like, so. Yeah. Um, it's quite rigorous we, to get through we, that part. It was, yeah. We got great support here in Longford from the Leader Scheme, which is a rural diversification funding for, right. through the EU. The law, it's it's uh, it's budgeted out nationally, but each each county, I think, has its own resource company that allocates that money. So we applied to them for funding, right. and uh, Longford uh, Community Resources Limited is the company that runs that. But it's just a kind of semi standard I don't know exactly how it's set up, but uh, so we put in our expression of interest for that, mm-hmm. and because the budget was coming to an end that year or 2014, I think, we had to have our final application in for uh, statement of interest in the fund. And they took a look at your business case, then they ask you if, if you qualify, then they ask you for a more detailed business plan to go through that. It goes to their committee. I think there's a 30-odd strong committee of local people that uh, that go to uh, evaluate the business and see if it, if it matches with what the funding is for. And because it was manufacturing and it wasn't agriculture and it was in the Midlands, uh, we, we got very good uh, support from them. That enabled us to move into the unit here, buy our equipment, and uh, then we, we put in what our own savings were at the time between myself and Liam. And we got uh, some outside investors to come in as well, just family and friends, really, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, between them all, we got enough uh, scrapped enough together to uh, to get the equipment in. And Liam, being the consummate professional that he is, he had his whole system and what he wanted to do kind of set up before we started. So he, right. uh, yeah, so it was easy to get off the ground running because of his experience. He'd he'd seen a lot of the pitfalls. He'd look he, he, and. The company he was with before had grown, I think, from like three employees, roughly around the same size as we are now, mm. to when they le- or he left, I think there was about nearly 40 lads working for them, and they were asked the ceiling for what is recognized as a craft brewery for right. revenue purposes. Okay. Uh, there's really no uh, definition of a craft brewery. It's, it's based by revenue as a... Uh, something that uh, a company that produces less than three or sorry, three million liters, which would be thirty thousand hectoliters uh, per year. Right. At the moment, that's the ceiling on it, and with that, you get a fifty percent rebate on your uh, alcohol duty, okay. which is really what makes it a viable business. You right. know, only, only for that, you you couldn't your cash flow wouldn't be strong enough to keep it going. So was was that fifty percent rebate and whatever other package around that is that one one of the reasons why there was such an explosion maybe yeah yeah well that was brought in i think yeah i think it was brian cowan brought it in when he was minister for finance and he did definitely yeah yeah yeah, yeah, we'll drink to that um (laughs) he uh yeah he brought that in it was kind of a slow burner it was only a few and it was about six or seven though harris was the kind of one that i would yeah the first Themselves and, and the Porter House 
But again, like when they started out, I think when Liam joined them, they were doing nearly 80% of what they were making was going out to export very little at home. And uh, so the actual market wasn't there in Ireland at the time. Right. But what you saw then was Irish people getting into craft beers, people coming home from abroad that were into craft beers. Mm. They were looking for something local, the tourism aspect of it. Tourists like to drink local drinks, you know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the market kind of slowly grew. So what you saw in the shops was a lot of English beers, a lot of German beers, a lot of different beers trying to fill that niche yeah. before the Irish beers kind of came on strong. Uh, when we started our business plan, there was 12 breweries in the right. country. Right. When we opened our doors, or when we got our funding, there was 35. And by the time we opened, there was over 40, there was 43 or 44. And now I think production breweries in the South in the Republic is... It's about 69, 70 at the moment. And I always like, there's more coming Mm -hmm. uh, downstream all the time. Different lads, there's brew pubs, there's contract brewers on the kind of smaller end of it. Then there's smaller production lads. We'd be kind of a mid scale production facility. You know, we just produce here and then we sell through shops, offices, pubs, restaurants. You know, we do all that uh, sales and distribution ourselves. So the microbrewery, the porterhouse you mentioned, that was. That would be yeah. like a microbrewery, I think. That would have been like, but they were a brew pub. Right. Yeah. So they, would they would have had a lot of other beers in, would be yeah. distributing beers as well. They were bringing beers in from abroad, selling them at the Porterhouse venues in Dublin. But as they were doing that, they were also developing their own brands, you know, mm. to sell on site for, you know, in their own places. So that was, uh, yeah. And then, you know, whereas uh, O'Hara's would be more of a production. Yeah, brewery, yeah, you know, yeah. an actual brewing facility to, to go out through, to, yeah. you know, retail channels and that sort of stuff. So when those first, even in the planning stage and once you were getting it off the ground, what were the standout challenges that you faced? Anything jumped into mind that you said, fucking, this is, this is a big thing we didn't expect or... Yeah, well, from a regulatory point of view, Liam had worked with it all before, so there was no real surprises there. Uh, we were able to get off the ground running because we knew he knew the the excise setup, getting set up with revenue. I took care of setting up the actual company, registering the business, getting our IP trademarked, all of that. And uh, yeah, so the biggest challenge at the start was trying to get the investment fund and go like, you know, mm-hmm. and that's where leader really came in. As soon as we got approved for leader, we knew we were good to go. And uh, also the LEO here, the local enterprise office in Longford, uh, Mickey Nevin, uh, he actually was, was great help to us. He let us into the unit here, let us come in set up, gave us kind of fairly generously and the rent or, uh, you know, the ease of access to the building to get it set up. Right. And to get in here with the builders, to get we had to put in a new floor, we had to build the office block here, we had to get all the kind of infrastructure together. Right. And so, like, they, they were very good. in, And this is, at the time, it was, it's owned by the council now, but it was the LEO who owned this building. Right. So we were their tenant. And, uh, yeah, between between the leader and the LEO in Longford, that, that was really what allowed us to, to get going. So they were almost acting as kind of... Mentors? No, no, not not really mentors or advisors. Like there's lots of that kind of stuff. You know, I'd done I'd done the business side of it, so I knew how to set up the company. 
and how to go about putting together a business case to get funding. Liam took care of the regulatory side from revenue and uh, all of that. Plus, he knew all the suppliers to go to to get uh, to get uh, materials in raw materials, and he had a good contact with a fellow who actually uh, was uh, White Water Brewery in, in Newry that uh, built the gear for us okay. uh, so he was an ex-technician fella I think he was working for Bath Bernard Sloan and then, um, so yeah he built the gear for us and uh, yeah once we got up and running like any business it's about keeping the money moving through the business keeping your bills paid getting everything going you have your certain your working capital your startup capital and to make sure that you get the sales channels then. So we actually went for nearly a year and a half. I was the only fella working here, and I didn't even draw down a wage for most of that. Um, the bear, the bear was your wage. Was yes, yes, we, 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 we kept the, ourselves. The hops keep yeah. going, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We kept ourselves well watered, well hydrated. It's, mm. it's very important for brain function and all that. And had you created, had like Liam created a sample one or two beers that you were piloting yeah. before the business plan went forward and you got some as, feedback yeah as I was saying like there was a bit of a tradition of making beer and wine there's more wine in, in my family my uncle Eamon right um, he has a, he had a little bit of wine room at the back of his garage and we started in there we built a little test brewery like a little test kit 50 litre kit right so you know it wasn't for sale or anything it was just to test a few recipes now Liam knew the bones of the core range that we have, the lager and the pale ale. We knew what he wanted to make there. We spent a long time trying to develop a dark beer. We started out with a kind of idea for red ale, and then it just got tastier and tastier. And to do that, we had to introduce more richer, darker chocolate and crystal and dark crystal hops, or sorry, malts. So we ended up with a with a brown beer that's very nice. So we that's where our brown ale came from, and that was the first brown ale to hit the... Irish craft beer market. Okay. First brown ale. Yeah, yeah. But we developed all of that in in uh, in the pilot brewery at the back of Eamon's place. So there was a lot of challenges there. Right. It's messy, you know. You'd be all day going. You eight in the morning. We like we had a little grinder strapped to a to a black and decker workbench, and we ground our own grain, and we put it all together, and we built, you know, we built a little mash tun, and we had a little kettle going, right. and uh, from start to finish, you could be going 14, 16 hours trying to make a beer, getting it right, and getting it wrong, sure, you yeah. know, that's the crack, that's the well, fun part of it. So when I do this show with people that have set up their own business, and, mm-hmm. you know, the one thing that keeps coming out is that once they find kind of their purpose, or very much focused that they believe in that yeah. sort of 16 yeah. hour days where you're doing crazy stuff doesn't seem that ridiculous no you're time. you're like a lot of craft brewers and a lot of the breweries that have come from the more homebrew background as opposed to fellas that are in the business um that's how they start out they start out making their own beer to get into brew clubs every kind of town has its own beer associations home brew clubs and that kind of stuff and they're all into it um so yeah they're they go from that into kind of scaling up now it is difficult to scale up from that mm-hmm. uh it's not as rosy as people think it's difficult to just to 
commercialize anything. Yeah. Like, you know, you're commercializing what is essentially a hobby. So, yeah, yeah. you know, that's difficult to do. We didn't really have that challenge because, as I said, Liam was bringing a lot of industry knowledge with him, you know. Mm. So um, we were able to hit the ground fairly running fairly quick. So in those early days, was there kind of a milestone, first big standout customer win that you said we yeah. yeah, well, at the at that point, it was just exploding. The whole craft beer thing was exploding at the time, and uh, it wasn't hard to find customers. It wasn't hard to get in. Uh, we found a distributor fairly fast uh, that came in. That was actually uh, their best down in Cork, uh, Barry and Fitz. They took it for a while. Uh, they've kind of stepped back from that craft beer market at the minute, so we've 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 gone to uh, doing our own sales and distribution uh, ourselves, mainly through multiples and that kind of thing. But yeah, it wasn't hard to to get it sold. Now it's a different story now because the shelf space and all the off licenses, especially the independents, they're just absolutely full. People are, you know, there's just so much beer coming into them, especially, and, and there's more distribution coming in from abroad as well. You know, the the, the market is is keeping pace with it, mm. but you'd you'd wonder, like the market, I think now is three and a half percent of the total beer spend in the country. The craft beer market. The craft beer. I, I, well, that was say at the end of 2016. I don't know what it might be now. Yeah, that's 2016's figures as far as off the top of my head. Oh. Um. When we started, I think it was less than two percent. What we what we calculated in our business plan that it was worth nineteen twenty million a year total. Right. And of that, it was you know two or three lads that were making the vast majority of that. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's gone up to maybe sixty million mm-hmm. for last year, fifty nine sixty million. But if you break that into the the amount of different breweries that are after starting up. There's a smaller slice. Uh, the more people enter, it's getting smaller and smaller. The market is not growing apace with it. So um, while I think it, it still has room to go, it probably go to 7 or 8% if you look at the States, if you look at the UK, you look around uh, different countries where craft beer is more established, that's the, generally where it gets to, about 8 to 10% tops for you. So at that rate, there's there's a good twice as much market to get mm. but uh, the big beer industry is also reacting to it you know and they're, yeah. they're coming out with their own brand stuff you know uh, they're also buying craft breweries and there's a lot of controversy about mislabeling and uh, you know the provenance of beers coming from you know what is allegedly local beer, brewed beers that are actually coming from big Jeez. breweries Cute horses, right? Yeah. I believe that's, that's the there. that's the name of one of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, no, well, but but that well, well, that'll be an there, example. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, you can't. Yeah, sure. It's only normal. It's only natural. Like you, you can't blame a company for trying to protect its market share. You know, but yeah, you just like to see them doing it more fair, fair basis as well. On that, you sent me that article today that I, I did my research on. Oh, I did read it. I did read it. I, I said, try not to read too much before an interview because I don't want to, to know all the answers. But what I thought was interesting about that was the idea of the collaboration versus competition. Yeah. yeah. Um, and one thing that came into my mind was like, so would there ever be, you know, to take on the behemoth of yeah. these kind of larger environments of like Guinness and the Azure and all that good stuff, would... Could there be ever the opportunity where the smaller craft beer breweries 
work together as a kind of a syndicated one, but still keep their own brand and, yeah. and produce massively. The, the, tradition, uh, the tradition of collaboration in, in the brewing, craft beer brewing, or independent beer brewing, we'll call it, um, going back to when it really took off in the States in the 70s, it's always been there. You know, people collaborate on uh, recipes, they, they go in on materials to take down the price a little bit. Yeah. Uh, there's always good support, like um, Liam can't be with us here tonight. Uh, he was, the last three days he was in Glasgow, actually, with, I don't know, do you know Kieran Ward, Merch? Uh, he's an older, old, older gentleman from the town here. Probably. You know, you might know him, but... Um, He's uh, Longford isn't that big. No, no. Master, well, he's 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 in uh, he's a lecturer in UCD, and he actually had a forum for collaboration in the brewer industry. He was doing a, a, a kind of a paper on collaboration right, in the industry right, right. in general, hmm. and uh, he came down to talk to us, and he did a paper on collaboration in the beer industry, and then he hmm. went to the University of Glasgow, and now to have a bit of a forum going uh, for different different stakeholders in the craft beer business over there, which was friends. Scottish, English, Welsh, ourselves, um, you lads going over there, just literally talking about that exact thing, like collaboration, how to, how to suppose protect the image of the craft beer sector and, and what craft brewers want to achieve, which is making the best possible product at a reasonable and accessible price for your average beer drinker, and just to keep, you know, just to make the uh, make, it's more to educate people in, in yeah. beer like less is more really in, in beer like there's yeah. you know your standard lager is sitting in around four and a half or 4.3 percent on, on the bar top and it's all very much the same there's no real variation in it uh, these would have been historically premium brands of beer mm. you know because beer market would have been starting from a very low base yeah. historically yeah. it wouldn't be the same as wine like you know uh, so what the percentage of the overall alcohol so Beer, Everything we do is in and around five percent. No, so, but even you were saying like ABV. craft beers is three and maybe to six percent, but just normal beer of the overall pie. Your, your usual uh, bar top staples are four point three. Yeah, that seems to be it. Some of them are a little bit like I think Peroni. Some of those lagers more kind of high end premium. They're all regarded as premium, like Bud, like Heineken, Carlsberg. And they're they're not your you know then you have behind that you have your three euro pints of whatever and um, not naming anybody yes yeah for the uh, <laughs> I doubt they're going to get in touch for, with the, me for, for the pre <laughs> for the pre lunch market we'd call it breakfast of champions yes market, exactly yeah 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 and then you have your afternoon drinkers the more uh, the more premium level. So like it's it's all about uh, how to counteract the, as as was in that article you know uh, the pressure the downward pressure on craft beer the perception of craft beer and what it is mm. in the marketplace that's coming from the macro brewers to protect yourselves from that and it comes back to the same thing you just have to keep making the best beer you can and keep keep yourself going if if you can't it is. A high-end product mm -hmm. because the costs associated are yeah. high-end costs yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, in order to do that you have to kind of remain true to what you want to do and just grow slow keep it going just grow slow and steady you yeah. know and not try and get in a money fight with anybody because yeah. it won't last very long cool so i'm probably going to ask questions from the ignorant perspective that i'm coming at it from like the layman on the street seeing the craft beer explosion and you'd hear somebody saying like like i would happily pay extra for a craft beer because it there's a nicer taste it has you know it certainly 
when, when it comes to St. Mel's, I want to obviously support your own, but you would hear the conversation is like, oh, there's so many of these fucking craft beers coming out in the market. There's no way they're all going to survive. What's the, the thought process around, like, is there, you know, like if you were thinking of a pyramid and there's a hundred X on the, yeah, on the bottom yeah. there, how, how's, how, because how will you, or how do you foresee yourselves well, maintaining persistent In growth? my opinion, that's only my opinion, um, I think the market is there and the market is growing and it's growing steadily. Uh, different people come into the market with different models. Some lads are going out on a limb with high finance, building a lot of capacity. I think in the last couple of years, the capacity of the breweries in the country, the fermenters, as we, I was walking you through earlier, yeah. that fermentation space has nearly tripled. And, you know, the market isn't really following that. Like. Right, so right. the temptation there would be for people to fill those tanks no matter what because they're there. Right. And then that will create an oversupply into the market, which will drive down price, which will undervalue the craft beer, which you're basically just playing into big beer's hands at that point. Yeah. Um, but that being said, that's, that's just the supply side oversupplying. Mm-hmm. The market is still there, and I think the market will always be there. Um, it's just how you manage your place in that marketplace. Like any business, yeah. how you're going to just keep it steady, try and stay out of debt as much as possible, mm. and keep keep the liquid cash going through to get your suppliers paid, to keep your taxes paid, to keep the staff paid, and to keep the lights on. And then, you know, hopefully at the end of the day, you'll, you'll make a few bob and pay yeah. yourself. And when you have a really good product... At the end, has to that, be based on the quality you know, of product. The quality yeah. is has the key, to be, right? Has to be absolutely. Yeah. Have, have you already even seen some of competitors where they've gone full guns blazing with a big loan filled out on the back of very little sales, but because of the, I suppose the explosion and the excitement around it, and they're not no longer even in the market. Has there been any kind of done, gone by the wayside yet, or is that too early for that to happen? Um, I don't know the particulars of anybody else's finance. Mm. I can guess just by, you know, uh, seeing it's it, the evidence is in what they're turning out and the amount they're turning out and the price of it uh, is what they're trying to achieve. So, like, you have lads with deep pockets coming in, uh, making Backing up ba- some guy yeah. had one bottle of beer and said, "This is the good." Yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, like even even at that, there's fellows with uh, they might have a higher profile in the marketplace. Like you could have not naming anybody, but you could have the likes of uh, a chef or somebody with a media profile that sticks their name on it, mm. you know. And uh, then uh, you'll have fellas jump on the back, of jump that. on the back of that, give them a pile of cash, throw in a few things because making beer isn't hard. Making quality beer is very difficult, and keeping that quality consistent mm. is very difficult. So you need to know what you're at. But you can make a batch of beer. Anybody in their backside can make a batch of beer. Like, yeah. so again, if if you're if you're talking about uh, who's going to do well and who's not going to do so well, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, you you'd imagine that uh, anybody that overextends themselves in a market as competitive as this is going to find it very difficult. But the say the, the the act or law or whatever Cowan brought in has created the opening for people to get in easier. And yeah, yeah, the barriers to entry are low. Yeah, in the business. Uh, so that means any. 
Oh, if you have a decent head on you, you'd want a few bob. But, like, you know, as I say, like, we wouldn't be able to do it by ourselves. No, no, yeah. And uh, with all the knowledge and all the rest of it, it's yeah, yeah, still yeah. impossible if we hadn't got the funding. Yeah. So, um... And Liam's knowledge is massively, yeah, you know, yeah. IP there almost. Like, absolutely, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, he, he was coming in with, he knew what he wanted to do, he knew the beer he wanted to make, and he knew how he wanted to make it, and uh, he basically said, I'll make it, you go out and sell it, and right. that's my job, you know, okay. so I have to keep, okay. the, keep the wheels good, greased. So this is part of the sales process yes. here. Now, so it is, it is. Yeah. Today we're enjoying St. Mel's <laughs> Pale Ale, uh, recently exported to the United States of America. Uh, so it landed in Denver there a couple of weeks back, uh, mm-hmm. along with our brown ale. So I think that's going to that's going to hit the market over there fairly well. So, um, so that's the US, obviously in Ireland, mm-hmm. uh, UK. Not to date. We've been over there. We've talked to lads. There is actually a chat that uh, Liam was talking in Glasgow is going to take. He has a brewery of his own. I can't remember the name off the top of my head now, but uh, he has a brewery of his own and a few brew pubs, and he wants to take some. Uh, a pallet of kegs over just to have something different in yeah, the tap yeah. room, you know. And there is opportunities there, but yeah. England is a very crowded marketplace. It's it's well developed at this point, yeah, and yeah. it's hard to get into. And they do support their own. Right. They like to drink, drink different stuff too. Like there is, it's a big market. The UK is what fifth, sixth biggest economy in the world yeah. altogether, you know. So like it's definitely there to be had, and it's um, it'd be seen as the more accessible one, but com- competition element is is difficult. Uh, I think where Irish brewers do well is Western Europe, likes mm. of France, Northern Italy, Germans not so much. They have a lot, they have of, a lot of their own stuff, and they're, they're happy enough with it. Belgium, uh, I guess. Yeah, I, I think. I think at one point Liam was saying O'Hara's were like they were doing a serious amount out to Slovakia. Or, or, you know, it just depends where you get a good a good importer, a good partner in in the yeah, yeah, the country yeah. you're operating in is is key. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you want to, yeah, you just want to be able to make sure that you find So you're, you're open to it. I know I have, uh, some, I have, I have a listenership in Honolulu, believe it or not, in Hawaii. So you'd be oh, open good, to uh, good. potentially going out there. I'll see if our man in Denver can, can yeah. get a chopper flown out to Hawaii. Yeah, drop, maybe drop yeah. a couple of plates in, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a few parachutes. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. yeah. We can, you know, nothing's impossible, Rob. So progress, anyway, over the last couple of years. You're, just before we were ta- started, I couldn't believe it's only three years since I've probably... Less than three years since I had the first yeah. bottle, um, which which has been a quick three years. I know about a year and a half ago, actually, I was driving home from work on a even before St Patrick's Day, and I went into a Super Value in, in Cork and uh, was looking for a couple of bottles of beer for the evening, and and you had you had made it down to there. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. in three years, you've you've done a lot. We did, we did all right. Now we did all right. Um, Musgrave, uh, who's okay. a distributor down in Cork for, for the Super Value and Centre Chains, and uh, they, they take it on the Musgrave's retail partners down there, so um, your local Super Value or Centre can either have it in or, or will get it in on request. Um, they they keep the, the core beers, so they have the pale ale, the lager, and the oh, brown ale. Plus, they also have our. Um, <laughs> they also have our. That was our beautiful assistant, Miles. There, Miles pouring, doing a very pouring good job. Keeping my beer. glass topped up here, so it's very important. Very important. Yeah, please. Yeah, you do. Watch So, and they also carry our, our seasonal range. Uh, so we make four core beers. Uh, three mentioned pale ale, lager, brown ale, and and then we've re- released a new IPA last year. The IPA is a little bit stronger, a little bit punchier. Kind of tropical fruits, a lot of hops, that kind of thing. We started out with pale ale because it was a nice, easy one. We liked it. Punchier and hoppier, perfect. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
so we're in the Midlands. We're in the Midlands. We're in Longford. The lads weren't used to it. So we had to start out slow, right, get them right. used to it, and then yeah, start yeah. hitting them in the nuts with exactly, the hops, you know. Exactly. But uh, then we have our core or our seasonal range, which is our winter stout, uh, Springbok Lager, which won the All-Ireland Lager of the Year last year and Killarney yes, Beer Festival. Lovely. Very happy with CBX that, the gold medal. Uh, that that was the silver we got from the brown the year before, actually. Yeah. You progress from silver to gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, some people just you don't have that, 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 that was the buck you had just before. Yeah, yeah. Very <laughs> tasty, very tasty. Uh, it's isotonic. And... Um, so yeah, we we and we have a, a wit beer, it's Belgian style wit beer for summer, uh, which we that's coming out, is it? It comes out in the summertime. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we did it the last two years. Uh, beer Garden Wit, it's called. Uh, these are all white label beers with our logo on the front, very easily identifiable. Yeah. Uh, and we have our autumn IPA. And uh, if, yeah, sorry, I'll go back to the wit beer. We use a local elderflower uh, cordial manufacturer in Carrick Boy. Uh, Richmond Cordials, we use their elderflower extract in the beer as a, an adjunct, and it just creates a very nice, easy drinking, crisp kind of easy summer beer. The autumn IPA, the idea behind that is to have a um, every year we change it. So we had autumn IPA 2015, we had last year 2016, that went really well. It's still on sale in shops. We have, we have it, uh, we we made it well into this year, so it's, it's fresh as the daisy, but. Um, Every year we get a different malt profile, different hops. The idea being to celebrate the harvest and okay. showcase different hops. So the first year was two old world hops in English fusion and tradition, I think it was. And then uh, Rakau and Wimia, which are two uh, New Zealand hops. And we uh, we graduated the Wimia hop then into the core hop for the IPA. That's the, the core red level beer that we do. So every time we do one of these beers, it kind of feeds into developing the next beer. Do you know what I mean? And what's the process for devising the type yeah. of seasonal beer? Is that something that you and Liam work on together? You yeah. Ideas, you well, we, we, we look at what we'd like to make, what we want to drink, and we look at what we think the market is ready for. Um, we wanted to have a core range of seasonals. Uh, so that's eight beers in total. Right. At any one time, we'll have five or six beers on the go, depending yeah. on the stocks we make. Um, as I say, all the cores bar the IPA are available in super value. All the seasonal beers have just become online in Andy as well. So, uh, and Dunn Stores also do uh, the pale IPA and and or the lager. Sorry, and so yeah, through all of those, depending on on the volumes, we. Um, we we kind of produce to to what we expect to to go out, and then we do all our own local stuff, and we do our own direct sales to Dublin, um, and further afield if we can ever get out to them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the logistics of sales and distribution is an entirely different business, nearly to mm. to making beer. You know. No, you're a few years in. Again, trying to appeal to folks that are setting up their own business and doing some similar not necessarily in the, the craft beer industry but challenges what what kind of major learnings have you from the last few years that uh, maybe you didn't expect as you know, looking back yeah well i thought i'd be in here just uh, having to crack making beer and enjoy myself you know right, right. but uh, it didn't really work out like that i'm spending most of my time we do all our own uh, packaging as well here by hand all the beers are bottle conditioned, so it takes a long time. You know, it's four four weeks for the ale, six weeks for the lagers. 
So the long turnarounds, so there's a lot of handling in that and then there's a lot of sales and deliveries just getting out there and that takes time, you know, it takes time out, you're working week constantly to keep that going and to train and there's only three of us here at the moment now, we do we probably need a few more hands but we have to, we've also done an expansion project in uh, January which quadrupled our capacity but yeah. uh, we're trying to actually, the manpower is, is now our problem, so yeah. we need to, like it's if you're talking about learnings, scaling up a business is difficult. Mm. Getting it to the sweet spot where you're just turning over is grand. We started with the capacity that we thought was going to be able to keep myself and Liam and maybe one or two others going. Uh, it didn't really work out that way because you just have to keep the bills paid, you mm. know, and your your debtor days, your debtor cycle coming back getting paid is, is it gets stretched on you, you know. So you're paying for everything nearly up front. You're waiting 90 days plus to get paid yeah. uh, so cash flow can be tight uh, and then we went into the expansion project that was difficult because you're paying for that you're trying to keep you're losing your downtime in production right. so your sales go down right your expenses going up you have a big lump to pay out mm. uh, we did it off the back of christmas which was a busy time so then we got hit with a massive vat bill after that you know so you have to keep the money flowing yeah, yeah, through yeah. The things so scaling up is difficult and I say, once you get to the sweet spot where you're actually just tipping along, keep mm. that going as long as you can, and then go to scale up again. Overextending yourself is as you know, it's as as bad, if not more, uh, worse to than not doing enough. Do you know, mm. because you can run out of money, and nothing will put you out of business quicker than running out of money. Like so, yeah, yeah, yeah. marketing and advertising, and just really getting the. The brand and the name out there. How how do you approach approach that? I'm struggling with that from a podcast perspective. So I'm, yeah. looking for, I'm looking for a one percent better tip here, but I know it's, it's tough and it takes time. Yeah, right? yeah. So. Well, I think that hit me recently is that uh, we should really be putting some uh, changing labels every week with a different story because what we do, even though it's on a bottle, we're publishing essentially a pamphlet that's sitting on a shelf. We're advertising ourselves just by being there, do you mm. know? Uh, so, like, to get out and to get on the shelf is advertising in itself. Yeah. Uh, we did a bit of sponsorship with local teams, like the football, Love for Town, Bohemians in Dublin, uh, the rugby clubs in Athlone and in Longford here. On the town. On the town. On the town, yeah. I love After the scandal of a classico, I hope to do well. <laughs> but um, at least they won that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know, it'd be nice if it was more scandalous matches. That's, it, that's what probably game, like, that's yeah. what probably perked up the Gardaí's interest. Yeah, what's going on there? Yeah, regular, <laughs> regular betting syndicates in East Asia around Longford at Lone Town. Mm. Any, anyone betting on that match in East Asia would be a regular anyway. So Absolutely, Patrick play a tumbler. That's a regular. Yeah. <laughs> That's a yeah. necessary tangent. Sorry Absolutely. About it, yeah, sorry, sorry about that. That's okay. Yeah, but uh, like for advertising, for getting out there, you know, being on the shelf, from our point of view with our product, you have to be in the shelf beside the craft beers, where people go for craft beers. So you're advertising to that market. Mm. Wider advertising, uh, Tree, the, the phone company, did a, did a nice oh, bit yeah. for us there. Um, we took the Tree business package and... Um, we got on a on a business uh, promotion thing that they were doing. That had our, it makes it just look a lot bigger than we are. Yeah, really. yeah. And yeah. uh, local media, uh, the radio, 
the Shannon side here, Longford Leader have been very good in covering the business yeah. uh, just as it's developing. Um, yeah, uh, that's that's really it. Like your local media. Social media. social media is a big one, sir. Yeah. Facebook, uh, Twitter, Twitter for following what's going on, trends and all that sort of stuff. Facebook for followers, you know, people seeing what we're doing and for bringing out new beers, a few thousand on that, like, you know. And it kind of, it builds up, like, when we sent the the picture of the pallet going out to the States, I think, hit about 15,000 people or something like that. Yeah, yeah, reach yeah. Wise, it was, or three times bigger than ever. It just shows you the difference when people in the States start Absolutely. looking at things, you know. Yeah. It's just that bit bigger, but... Um, yeah, just uh, take whatever you can, get it out there. Don't bother spending too much money on <laughs> advertising. Because you don't know, it's intangible. Yeah. You know? and, uh, Have you, you know, used Facebook? Little and often, little and often. You, you know, the, the, I put the page up, right, and I'm not making any money because like, I'm just doing all this for, for fun at the moment, but they ask you to, you put a page up, you put an advertise, a post up and they'll boost you. The uh-huh. advertising boost your your light your your Facebook post. Yeah. Ten dollars will reach one hundred and fifty thousand people or whatever. Yeah, I've never done it. You've never tried I don't it. know. Okay, because it probably yeah, who knows where it'll go? I don't know. It'll yeah, be, you know, might not hit ten percent of the people it hits. Might not be even bothered about craft beer. I don't know. Yeah, how it works, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And no, at least they know the people. Now we do have a website. Yeah, our website isn't particularly fantastic. We are developing it more at the moment to kind of try and get a bit of merchandise going and have places. Could you sell online? Could you sell online? Is that an option? We have a problem in the craft beer industry with uh, legacy license and laws back from the days when there used to be breweries here. Um, bef- you know, pre fifties and forties and fifties, right. I think. Uh, so we can't sell. Uh, uh, you can't come in here and, and drink. I can't give you a tap. I can't have a draft beer here and give you a pint and charge you f- whatever for it. Just, yeah, this is all free. free so this, these okay. are all, all okay. free no samples. This is, this is all, no, no, no money changing hands here. We'll do that down the pub. <laughs> but, okay. um, yeah, we can't, we can't do that. So it stops us from having a, a visitor center. It stops people uh-huh. coming in. So it's, it's not really great for tourism. There is a market for beer tourism. Alan Kelly, the Liberty D, has just brought in there in the last few months a uh, build, a uh, craft drinks build for, I think, drinks and spirits that are made uh, on your premises that mm. you have a license to sell whatever you produce there for tasting and for carry out. Um, that's gone through as far as I know. It's at the amendment stage, but uh, the government, as far as I'm aware, aren't going to oppose it. Now, hopefully the government lasts long enough to get it through, but sure, we'll have to see. Yeah, yeah. But. Um, yeah, that's that's where that is at at the moment. It would be a big bonus to have place for people to come and yeah. visit. We're always getting inquiries from local tourists, especially this time of the year. People, can you come in? Can you have a tour? What can I do? You know, so. Uh, so I feel extra privileged getting a bit of a tour tonight. I know, I know. Yeah. but that's why it's very industrial in here. We don't have the soft furnishings that you're used to. I'm used to being in kind of a very industrialised uh, environment. Um, just going back to the article I read earlier today, right? So uh, about the, the, the behemoths taking over whatever, David and Goliath almost type uh-huh. scenario. What would your take be if? Guinness, or am I allowed to say those sort of? Oh, you can, said, you can if you like. If, if some bigger came and approach you guys, we love your product, we want to, you know, bring you in. Is that a tough question to answer, or or is it more like 
you know we're proud of what we're doing we see there's potential in it absolutely and uh, i'd probably you don't know until anything like that happens uh you 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 You'd like to keep in business. Like myself yeah. and Liam's plan is to, is to see how far we can get and to keep making the best beer we can and to have lots of different beers, lots of different people enjoying them yeah. and get it out there as much as we can and, and take it to the limit of what we can do. <laughs> so from that point of view, I suppose like we're heavily emotionally invested in the company and we want to keep that going. And yeah. you know, there is the collaboration aspect and if you sell out, are you undermining other craft brewers that you know, yeah, you'd yeah, like yeah. to keep them going? Um, so, from that point of view, absolutely not. But from the business point of view, if somebody rocks up, you know, we all have families, we all have, you know, other stuff, sure. you know, commitments to, to meet. Yeah. So, you have to look at it from the cold, hard figures point of view as well. Like, but to be honest, I just I just don't know. You don't know. At the moment, it's head down and just. I think there's the people that down. don't take big cash when it's off. So uh, we're just after taking a break there. Owen had a had a call. An emergency an call. Emergency call. Which uh, which is part of day-to-day part job. of the, the whole kit and caboodle of sales and distribution. We we have a line in uh, Fire Restaurant in the Mansion House in Dublin. Uh, the pours are Hellas Lager, and uh, he just had a slight uh, hiccup with his. Uh, it was the pressure on the keg. Uh, yeah. See, there was a valve turned off, so I had to walk him through how to turn it back on. But yeah, it's mm. fine now. And that, get those kind of. That leads me to a question: Is what does a typical day consist of now? For you, say, it's, is there such a thing? You start with a plan, and then stuff happens during the day. You do what you can, and you hopefully get home and get some sleep, and go home, or get up the next day and fix whatever needs fixing, and, and try and build whatever needs building. You know, you just you know you really are making it up as yeah, you go yeah. along. You have your plan, and then there's reality hits in. So you try and keep it to the plan as much as you can, but sure, like, nothing's as easy as that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's. Uh good to be able to react though and, and solve problems on the fly and kind of keep stuff moving as well right? absolutely absolutely customer service that's what we're all about <clears throat> so where uh, i suppose there's a few things right one would be where what's next this is your core business of beer is there thoughts or p- potential to go down the wine the spirits any of those sort of areas i like salty snacks I'll try and make some salty snacks. We have a little small farm at home. Right. I have some Hereford cattle on that. Uh, from my my old, my father's days, he he had some in there. So we might uh, we might start making some salty beef based beef based snacks. But that's just an idea in my head. It's not uh, so not anything concrete or any sort of. We have good cattle agents. We bring them down yes. to the finest. Um, but yeah, uh, like there's any amount of spin offs you can do. But again, you're going to run into the problems. Of expansion cost and keeping taking your eye off the ball, you know, even for a few minutes, it, it could cost you. So your best focus on your core business, right? And if you have the time and the resources, go and do whatever else you think you can do. But uh, at the minute, for us, it's all about the beer. Yeah, focus on the beer. As we were talking outside there while we were taking that break, um, one of this is the first time I had an audience as well. So you have an oh, audience. Yes. So this is yes. another first, like a long podcast, an yeah, audience. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah. Shout out, shout out to Michael and Miles. Michael here. and Miles, thanks for being, you know, being here. Just being part of all But yes. good feedback from Michael was saying that you know he he's sitting there listening to your story. He can see the the value that somebody else listening to this could take out of it from you know from the journey you're going on if they're f- facing 
challenges. What advice would you give to somebody or a group that might be thinking, we have a great idea, it doesn't have to be about beer, um, whatever, to, to can you give them the encouragement that go for it, you know, Absolutely. Do you, you have regrets. Is it just kind of a combination of stuff there? No regrets. None at all. Just don't get any sleep. Uh, other than that, it's fine. Um, don't see the home life too much, as much as I'd like. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, um, I'd say anybody that's thinking of getting into any line of business, if they, they feel they know what they're doing, go for it. You know, you're not around long enough to be regretting not doing things, so you might as well go and give it a go. You'll never work at something as hard as something you come up with yourself. And if you like what you do, it's not work, you mm. know. Um, you, you, so, yeah. That's the cliche that I've said to some people back. If you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work. Is that, is that true? You'll put the hours in, you mm. know. You wouldn't do that for anybody else. You'd be watching the clock. You don't yeah, watch the yeah. clock in this business or in any business that you run yourself, you know. So, yeah. so go for it. It'd be my advice, but make sure you have your ducks in a row before you, you pull the trigger. And over the last few years since you've been up and running, have you had, I talk about mentors or people that have given you advice or influencers? Yeah, since, yeah. Since well, there's the there's local lads, as I was talking earlier about the LEO and, and uh, those lads, there's, there's loads of supports, there's lots of uh, government supports there. Um, local enterprise supports. There's a lot. There's a big network there. We've we've done a small bit of contact with with Bordbia. Hasn't really moved too far yet, but they're there if you're in the food business. Every sector has its own supports in place. Um, look them up. Make sure you get as much as you can from them. Uh, your local enterprise office is a great place to start. Uh, just to, even to get your business plan together, they have a template online that you can just build. Now we used it, and then we kind of made it our own. But uh, yeah, there's lots of supports there from the local kind of public funded level. Then there's there's the likes of business angels. There's uh, crowdfunding. There's different things you can do. We didn't go down that route, you know, because we wanted to keep it to people we knew and people that cared about what we were doing. Um, yeah, at the moment I'm uh, I'm doing a management uh, kind of a, more of a management finishing kind of project or a course with uh, Blaise Brosnan, best down in Wexford, Kerry man. Uh, he's a, he's a great fella to chat to. As I was saying, I might uh, give him give him your number. Uh, he he's works with SMEs, uh, tells them the rights and wrongs and just how to keep an eye on on what you're doing and to make sure it's successful. You know. Uh, you can get too lost in the details of whatever you're producing and whatever service you're providing, but you forget the business side of it. So you have to be sure to keep your eye on the business side of it and then keep your, your service or your product up to scratch at all times. But yeah, it's uh, there's, there's a lot of supports out there and just, just keep looking and uh, you'll, you'll get the right advice. So there's two e like. You kind of share it 50-50? Yeah, yeah, 50-50 yeah. down the middle. As I say, Liam makes it. We have a local fella come in. Uh, just when we started up, we were about four or five months in, and uh, a local chap from Ballinamuck, he was what, 24 at the time, I think he came in. He was chemistry grad out of DCU, Mark Connolly is in it. Um, he came in to us, 
said he'd done a bit of chemistry or he'd done a, uh, chemistry in undergrad and he'd done a bit of brewing in it and uh, wanted to just learn how to brew he says fine come in we'll show you how to brew but we can't pay you yeah. and we weren't even paying ourselves so yeah. he came in and fairness to him he just turned up every day we were doing it and we trained him in took him on then took him off the live register put him on the jobs bridge thing um, then uh, when that ran its course we took him on jobs plus right uh, so at the minute we are he's full time with us we do get some help from the social welfare to kind of power pay his wages uh, there's, there's a small bit there so uh, it runs over two years I think but um, yeah so that, that's an example of that system working I suppose yeah, uh, Mark, yeah. Mark last November finished his first uh, certificate in brewing over in the IDB which is the first step right. to your to your brewmaster qualification okay. that I was he, talking he looked about for the job, though. he, came in, he and, came in and did the graft yeah, absolutely. I'd say yeah. that to any young fella. You know, don't expect to get paid until you know what you're doing. But uh, you know, if you can, if you can do it, and it was a passion that he wanted to pursue, I guess. So, like, yeah, you know, it's like anything. You're not going to come in off the street and be given a salary. Absolutely, you have to put the hard work in. Be willing to take the yeah. The focus these days is all on uh, college qualifications. You know, university degrees. You, unless you're really into it, you're not going to get a job. Yeah. So, like, if there's lads that want to go and do you know, uh, an apprenticeship or you know, a trade or something like that, go for it. You know, yeah. do that instead, and then maybe crack out on your own. You know, there's lots of ways of getting it. Again, if you like what you do and mm. you're good at what you do, no matter what it is, you you put the hours in and you you get the reward. You know question i'd like to ask is around how do you make decisions so you you know if you're you're a one-man band you would hope yeah you on your own make decisions or the voice in your head and yourself have a chat and figure it out but uh you and liam we have a good uh, we bounce things off each other right he wants to do things and i say no we can't afford it and then uh, he goes back and says ah oh, we can and then he then we we fudge it a bit and we go and try and do things. But uh, as I say, yeah, he's he's got a good business head in him as well. Like you know, so, um, yes, yeah, it's good to have a sounding board. You know, have you come to a point where you disagreed? And how do you, how do you come to a? Well, you look at it from the good of the business point of view, right? You know what's going to cause the least amount of disruption to what you're already doing, and and can you see a growth in the business in the other side of it? And if if the answer to that is is no in the first instance and yes in the second, go for it, you know. But yeah, you have to you have to cut your cloth to suit what you can, you know. Yeah. Your resources are your resources, and you can only spend money once, so spend it wisely. Yeah. So in your career, in your growing up, in your university career skills, what skills do you think you've maybe knowing or unknowing? brought into this business you know at the time you might have not realised you know you talked about brewing at, young, at a young age in the family that's something you brought into it other yeah. stuff that even from your you did a master's in business right so yeah I did a master's in business I worked uh, I did an undergrad in history history and classics up in Minute uh, very interesting there wasn't many Greek and Roman factories opening at the time so I had to go and retool okay. but uh, I worked as an archaeologist for a couple of years uh, when I came out of college that was very interesting you know right um not interesting people, very interesting work. Yeah. Paid it grand, but you know, you're never gonna retire on it. Yeah. Um, so then as I say I was in Dublin, did the business degree side of things, went into finance. Now what that has helped with is uh cash flow management, projecting 
because a lot of what I used to do was projecting cash for traders and such in, in the various companies I work for. So like to be able to look ahead and plan your cash flow is very important in a small business because you just need to know that the bills are going to get paid in three months time because you don't know if you're going to get paid yourself for what you're doing today in yeah. three months time you know so you have to keep an eye on that um so from a practical point of view that helped a lot even just how to look at stuff you know how to how to set up spreadsheets to have it right yeah yeah, uh, yeah like that that did help um negotiation kind of dealing with yeah well you learn as you go along how to how to like as i say i'm the i'm the sales side of things really so um, you learn how to not annoy people. <laughs> people, uh, people don't want to buy things off you if they if they like you. Yeah, yeah. So just don't annoy them too much. But you do have to be persistent in that side of things. So yeah. just say, "Here I am. This is what it is. Would you like it?" If they say no, not today. So that's fine. Come back in a few weeks or whenever. Never yeah. give up on that side. Just keep keep tipping along. Like tipping I think, up. like statistically, uh, you know, players there was telling me. 80% of sales are done after the 8th or ninth contact, right. you know, so you do have yeah. to be persistent in sales, and like 80% of salesmen don't go past the second or third follow-up, yeah. you know, so if you're in the sales side of things, just keep taking it out, keep going, yeah. and don't be too much of a dick. Because it's hard to, <laughs> you know, like if you, even for me asking somebody to come onto the show, right, say it, but it's just trying to get somebody to do the podcast, you obviously on the first go, few miles, thanks. Uh, agreed but I don't like going back to people to piss them off to say are you sure would you like oh, to yeah. do it it's how do you find that balance to know to ask them the fifth or sixth time and well for you I'd, I'd imagine people just don't know what you're at and are they going to invest I don't know what I'm at either. Yeah, <laughs> are they going to invest an hour of their time listening to your podcast before they decide what they want to do so like yeah. you, you have to kind of have a brief explanation of what you do it's you on the side like, it's yeah, on the side yeah. Yeah. so like I I do a podcast in this, that, and the other. Yeah, yeah, Would you yeah. like to take part? Yeah, uh, might be good for your business. Get you raise your profile a bit. So yeah, sell it to them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, you know yourself. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah. But just even it's like as you said, it can take seven or eight times to. For me, if I I don't think sales would be my gig because I think I'd be like third time it's like fuck. I'm not gonna ask this person again. Oh, yeah, it's, it's disheartening. Like yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You have to have a bit of a head on you. Like you know, after yeah, it took me a while to even get my head around it. You know, you, you feel like you're going in annoying people and yeah, yeah, yeah. begging them to take stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they'll get to like you after a while. Maybe they you do. Know? Yeah, but like maybe people are lonely and they want to see you again. They like pit persistence. I'll always just leave some samples behind me and let the samples do the talking and uh, follow up on the samples. And if they like what they taste, and they usually do, then uh, we're good to go. Yeah, that's good. Pioneers are difficult, though. Pioneers, yeah. Most of the Muslim world. Uh, (laughs) So I think we covered a lot so far, right? So we're an hour or so in. We might wrap up on a few kind of... um, rapid fire questions that kind of tap into you as a as a person okay and that things that you know you might give some insights on how these sort of things these are more kind of personal questions that uh based on your input into the business might might have different answers so you talked about sleep earlier you know sleep is very important to people what's oh, your yeah. What's what, what is sleep? What, what sort of pattern of sleep do you have nowadays to well, I've got, your own business? I've got three kids under five, so uh, sleep is very much interrupted mm. on a regular basis whenever I do get in there. In okay. between, uh, you know, you try and make some time for the occasional pint, like this evening. Have you slept in here? 
Not as of yet. No, it is quite chilly. Nice tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 ground could look very comfortable in a while. But yeah, you have to manage your your life balance as well. Like yeah. you know, and people do say it, and it's a bit of a cliche, you know. But uh, it is important to be rested and to be on top of your game and uh, eat right. Thankfully, my wife Melissa is an excellent cook and uh, she does all the heavy lifting as far as the kids are concerned and I'm I'm in here trying to get this thing going but uh, it's, nice to have a homemaker. it's good to have a homemaker it's good to have a, a good support network behind you people that people yeah. that appreciate like Miles uh, Miles' wife Anne is exactly the same she asked me to give her a shout out so, so well. oh, no. uh, but, uh, yeah you know all about it like you, you need your, your better half will always uh, put sense Oh, yeah, I suppose I don't yeah, know yeah, that no, kind of fair. awkward, but uh, like, yeah, yeah. Dealing with the stresses and strains that come in it, though. How do you? What's your your release? Most people's release might be a few beers. You work in the beer industry, so so I drink more day, beer something. than normal. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I do. I, I like I come home and uh, most evenings I might have a beer, you know. But like that's the craft beer thing, and that's the craft beer customer. They're, like it's mainly lads that want a nice drink. They come home after a hard day, sit down, chill out for an hour. You don't have to go to the pub and get lotto, like. Mm. And uh, yes, like you know, whatever you whatever you can do, if you're into fishing or if you're into hill walking or if you make time for yourself, try and keep at least your Sundays to yourself or something like that. Have a break in the week. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Just just uh, look after yourself and don't get too stressed and and don't put too much onerous fucking you know debts and stuff like that if it's going to cost you a fortune to get into business have a step back and have a look at it and see you know you're really Mm. prepared for you know if things go south well how will you react to it like you know you have to be aware of your own mental health as well i suppose you know it's a big thing these days people are more aware of it like yeah no absolutely it's mental health month and i think uh, i recorded a podcast yesterday with a guy who I got to know through the, the coaching world and we talked about mindfulness for uh, pretty much 45 minutes of the hour and 10. Do you do anything like meditation or mindfulness to kind of get yourself back into... Uh, I chop sticks. I like to chop sticks. <laughs> well, I live on a, on, a, on a small farm and uh, for the first two years we were living there, uh, the only heat source in the whole place was uh, solid fuel. Right. So um, as I wasn't paying myself very well and uh, I was surrounded by trees, and uh, a lot of them needed to be uh, trimmed. Mm. I, I used to go out and get the old chainsaw out for a few hours. So that's great therapy. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's a different think, form of therapy. Mm. Well, it is. But like every type of meditation has a million different forms. It's all about being in the moment and have your attention focused on one thing. Mm. So you don't have to be sitting with your legs crossed and, you know, Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, be active. Do something. You can have your chance out. Do something. Do something. Be active. Get the old uh, blood circulating and take your mind off. You're doing. You know. You know. Don't be thinking about everything all the time. You just wreck your head and end up going around in circles. So take a break. Take a break and do something that you'd like to do. If it's watching football, if it's drinking pints, if it's walking up a hill, if it's going for a swim, whatever. Do it. Just make time to do it. Yeah. I mentioned decisions earlier. What's the? Is there any standout? hardest decision that you had to make get doing it actually just taking handing him a notice at the job I was getting paid fairly yeah. better than I am now yeah and uh, plus you know at the time we had a we had a second kid on the way you right. know so like it was 
Well, the balance of payments <coughs> argument wasn't that hard because you know you're you're living in Dublin, you're 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 in that property market, you're looking to settle down. So, like the option there was massive mortgage, working for forty odd years to clear man. it, working for the man, or go home and work the for yourself. Man. You yeah, know, see, yeah. give it a go. So you can always go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like that was yeah, handing in the notice. That was a difficult one. Right. Yeah. That's real. Then it's it's very much in the. Yeah, in the game then. A podcast listening to last night, Tony Robbins podcast. Uh, obviously, in the same same world as Tony Robbins on an education. <laughs> uh, he was number three in the charts the other day. I was number six. Well, so well, I, could, go, I could see. Him. I could see he was looking down at me. But um, Very good. They, they they were talking to people. They were talking to people from Airbnb. Yeah. Obviously, doing pretty well, and a couple of other massively now well-known uh, companies that were in the startup mode and they were all in the same boat where they were had the day job and then they were starting up this other venture and trying to trying to make that decision to to step back from the other was it a clean break for you like was it or had this had this started the process had started as we were writing the business yeah. plan you know you're that's the plan for the business okay. and then you're thinking how am i going to execute that plan and what changes do i have to make in my personal life to actually get the thing off the ground uh put yourself in a position as best you can that's going to be as pressure free and then go after the business side because that's stressful enough you know so again you need the support around you um to do that uh but yeah, again, it's uh, it's all about having your plan thought out. You know, once you get funding from other people, you're taking on the responsibility of having to pay them back. You know, and then if you're a small business starting out and you're taking on staff, that's a dodgy one. Yeah. Because you're taking on responsibility for other people as well, like yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and they're putting their trust in you being able to pay them. So you sure. have to have it right. Uh, that's why we only have three at the minute. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's what we need more, but we just can't afford it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. But there's an so, ethical thing there. There is whether, an ethical you know, thing. And I've seen... Call that out, you know? Because other craft, people don't... In the craft beer that. industry, even in the last few years, I've seen big fellas come mm-hmm. in, open up big, you know. There was a market there to be had. Sales teams were employed. Lads left good jobs mm-hmm. to go on to them. Um, Sun and the moon, the stars. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Them, Everything yeah. was going to be brilliant. And uh, then... I know I know of a couple of cases I won't say anything, but... Um, then after a year when that market is grabbed, they got the bullet, yeah, you know? Yeah. So you can't really, you yeah. can't really condone that kind of carry on. No, it's people admirable. People have responsibilities. Yeah. People have responsibilities. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, like it's very easy to paint a very pretty picture to get somebody on board, but if you're not, and I think that's, I'm not just saying it because I'm, you know. Yeah, well, again, if, it, if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is, you know? Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's good. Um, question when you think of the word success is there anyone that jumps into mind is there anything that jumps into mind or even how would you define what success is for you there's probably three questions in there you can answer whichever one you want uh success for me is uh miles miles lets out a laugh what was that miles that is, success for my but oh, that's a separate podcast i only heard the answer to this one as well. success <laughs> yeah success is you have time don't worry we're not live uh, yeah, but like at the end of the day, it might sound a little flowery now, but success is being happy with yourself yeah. and in yourself and what you're doing and how you're spending your time. Mm. You never get it back. Yeah. 
Um, success is being able to look after the people that have put their faith in you. Yeah. Um, being able to pay the people back that, that supported you yeah. financially and otherwise. Um, after that, it's it's how you look, how you how you I suppose set yourself up for the future. Yeah. You know, um, that's that's really it. Like you know, you have to you have to look at all those things. That's a pretty good answer, Miles. Mm. Well, I, I, I would think that's pretty as good an older answer, brother yeah. there, you're yeah, pretty well, proud of him. Yeah, that answer. yeah, I'm proud of, I'm proud of what he's achieved. You know, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot in a short time. For sure. No, yeah, no yeah. absolutely. Like, uh, I definitely would like to know what you think of success, but I'm not going to ask you. It's not about you. Today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, yeah. Let me see. A couple of final ones. These are more fun ones, right? So. <clears throat> Any any book that you would read or recommend to, to people that you might have used on, on the way that you, people could read to kind of give them inspiration through um, a journey like that? Well, I have, as it happens, I give a shameful plug to, to Blaze. And I haven't delved too deeply into it, but there's one, I Dare You, uh, by Blaze Brosnan. Win the debate in your own head, he says. So uh, there's one. I wouldn't be too much into the old self-help books. Um, read a lot of history. Okay. I read a lot of history. It's very easy to see everybody's mistakes. Everybody's done it 10,000 times before you. Biography type stuff? You or? can read biographies, sports biographies. A lot of people do that and apply it. You know, I don't know, really. Like, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really kind of like individual. Kind of like that. Or lefty watching nature documentaries out of Donny Brasco that's, <laughs> that's how I went there's multi answers coming there. I take them all it's all good I, forget I, about it no it's okay I keep going back to decisions and one thing I didn't ask about forget about was that a, okay oh, yeah. so, um, do you make decisions I begin to intuition I'm big into that stuff like and keep going deeper into it but do you make decisions based on and analytics, kind of your left brain or, or right brain, a mixture of both. How do you kind of come into a? Uh, well, I suppose you make your decisions based on what you're able to do, and you know, even like physically able to do, and what you know, what you can afford to do, and what makes sense at the time, and again, what impact is it going to have on what you're already doing? You know, uh, disrupting what you're at is risky. So be aware of that. Is, is some advice I'd say. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, I don't know. How far out do you plan? Like, do you ha- do you have? Uh, obviously, when you did your business plan, you probably you do, have a, to do you do a five, five year. year business plan, but like in practice, it never really works out that way. Um, it's a good guideline. Your financials will be all a lot of nonsense, but it'll give you a good base, you know, because you never know. You know, like we projected nonsense figures, like, you know, but we're actually ahead of target in reality from, you know, you do your business plan, then you start, you redo your business plan, your business plan should be always a document that's continuously being updated, uh, you know, to suit reality. Yeah. so yeah, live by that and uh, and your cash flow. Make sure that you're projecting your cash flow out. If if you're talking about a business, you have to make sure you're able to pay the bills. You couldn't stress it enough. Mm. Um, you run out of money, you're done. Uh, so yeah, so purely from the business, you have to have your figures in front of you. You have to have your time laid out, what you can physically manage to do. 
and you have to have the people around you that are going to support you in doing that and you have to be able to trust people and surround yourself and all more cliche and all but like you have to have good people around you i'm not a genius by any manner of means but like liam is he works off me i work off him you know we both have misses as a home that you know we bounce stuff off as well like i bounce stuff off miles mike comes in we bounce stuff off him all the time literally bounce literally <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, just use the supports that are out there. Never be afraid to ask for help. Um, you know, if you don't ask, you won't get. And so just, just yeah, just keep going. Keep trucking. Cool. So I think... Oh, this is the dark beer we're into now. Yeah, dark yeah. beer. We're on our it's brown now. Uh, yeah, we've gone from yeah. how many different types of beer have we We've been through about, ooh, I think we've six we've, or seven at this stage. I think we've only to sample the Autumn IPA and the Stout, or have we had an Autumn IPA? <laughs> autumn IPA and Stout, so we've two left. Yeah, no, six, yeah. we've, we're through six, so we've two six, left. Uh, very good. A raisin yeah. and oatmeal stout. I have that one. Absolutely savage. Um, I think we put every year we keep dub well nearly doubling or adding about fifty percent more raisins into it. Oh really? Yeah, I think Liam's burnt out at least three of uh, Lisa's blenders at this point because we actually shred them and stick them in the beer right, and okay. let it soak in, you know, mm. and uh, it gives a lovely kind of taste to the to the beer. You've, you've actually triggered a question, not the last question, so second last question. Then, so how do you? adjust or tweak the the taste or the, the flavors you get feedback from people like is there yeah. a, a process oh you, you do there? yeah well like liam again is a very good uh designer of beer you know mm -hmm. he knows what he wants he knows the profiles he knows what will work he knows what won't uh, so he's fairly spot on when he goes into making a new beer now if we're not sure we'll run a pilot brew a friend of mine in ballyman sean coolahan um I think he's actually thinking of making his own kind of wild yeast brews out there Dave in the near future. Dave's brother. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, he, he has a little uh, system out in his house. He's an avid home brewer, so we we've uh, we kind of bounce ideas off him. It's cool. good to just bounce ideas. And then so like that's a, the like collabor a mentor. The mentor, collaborative aspect yeah, yeah. of it. You can talk to other brewers and, you know, you wouldn't be giving away the game. But, you yeah, know, there's, yeah. a bit of, there's a bit of gamesmanship in it, but you'll ask for ideas. You know, you'll, you'll bounce ideas. Festivals are good for that kind of thing. You'll talk to other brewers. You get to kind of feel of what's in the market. Why? Oh, so would you pilot something at a festival or something like that? Uh, yeah, next, uh, actually, we have our first black label beer we did one black label which is a one-off series we have our white label our, our white label are seasonals our core beers are the coloured labels mm. and then we have a black label for one-offs so we did one one-off uh, at the start early doors with a neo-mexicanus which was i'll just show you Probably won't pick it up on the mic there, but uh, yeah, okay, cool. I'll just give you the bottle here. It's Neo Mexicanus. That was uh, oh, I, I read, but this was advertised on the on Facebook page as well. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I read, yeah. We made that. just one batch of it, but uh, cool. what it was was um, Liam follows a lot of blogs on House of Brewers blogs and stuff like that in the states. So this uh, this is a wild strain of. Uh, hops that was grown in the deserts in Arizona or New Mexico and created uh, by monks and I know monks are good at sauce man monks are good at beer you know monks go to what they know Book well, to the exactly yeah but they, they, they propagated this species of hop and so we just we got it just to see what it was like it's very nice kind of intense floral dry hop 
and uh, we, we the tent. yeah <laughs> <laughs> the so we, just sealed the so brother there. brother Barnabas literally got up on his donkey and went 20 mile down to the post office with a bag of hops and put it in and sent it over and we used it in the beer and we made a kind of an amber American amber ale very light American amber ale and just used that hop to show it off we didn't even know what it was going to be like ourselves but it's absolutely tasty cool. and very different to anything that's there but very accessible as well you right. know not not mad flavours but just nice Uh, so next we have a black IPA coming out at the end of the month and that will coincide with the Killarney Beer Festival that's one we support all the time because it's sponsored by Bjor, the consumer group for craft beers that's a good one because it's independent Yeah, and we support those lads were talking about craft beers 10 years, 15 years ago they're all enthusiasts and we like to support them. Cool. So, uh, yeah, like the, the, the good guys and their hearts in the right place as far as it comes to craft beer. Mm. So, you know, that's that's the one festival that we're actually going to this year because we just don't have time to get around yeah, to yeah. all. Like, you know, it's more no. manpower than anything. No, that was cool. So, last question. I'm beginning to kind of core values or, or your value system or what, what, what goes into your identity. So, like, cold hard cash rob. Just want to get the cold hard cash <laughs> into the pocket, you know? Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening in tonight. Uh, <laughs> I mean, with that currency, but uh, no, 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 no. Like it's you know, a lot of people, a lot of people get into craft beer for the lifestyle aspect of it, and as in becoming like a becoming brewers a for alcoholic or something. No, well, no, like well, there, is that. there is can be, yeah. but uh, yeah, lads that are in, as I say, it's a hobby, and then they want to commercialize yeah. it because they're into it. But the business side of it is a lot different. It's it's like running any business, yeah. and there's a lot of pressures in you. On yeah, and uh, so yeah, it's 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 um, it's it's all about trying to trying to balance everything. You know, if you can strike the right balance, and you think you're going to be able to bring it forward and grow whatever you're doing, go for it. Yeah. So yeah. core ba- values. Yeah, make sure that you that you know what you're at, and uh, try and live as happy and fruitful a life as possible. You know. And don't be afraid of a bit of hard work. Oh fucking check it out and do it. Yeah, very good. So look, that's uh, an hour and twenty or so. Mm. Oh, thanks so much for. No worries, Robert. One, giving up to your Saturday evening. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, you don't want to be in here on a Saturday night. Maybe, maybe not. Oh, um, be only drinking somewhere else. Thanks to Miles, your brother, for you know putting us together and connecting us up, keeping uh, the glasses full, keeping them oh, full, I've been keeping the glasses full, which is a job. Michael, the other member of the audience, and I thanks for just sitting there looking, you know, really looking beautiful, looking beautiful, beautiful and you know, as a, as a good listener, you know, you're listening in, enjoying it, so it's kind of you're you're the test bed of the of the podcast, as you maybe hadn't expected. You would be familiar with podcasts. I'm impressed. I'm very much impressed. He's very impressed. So, Um, oh, and look, best of luck in the future. I have a big fan here. Fanboy, fanboy, Rob. I will be pushing. (laughs) (laughs) I will continue to push this in Cork, but obviously through the through this, hopefully we'll get some listeners. If we got, if somebody got one percent better out of it, great. If you got one bit, one deal out of it, even better. Um, Just, just, just by vocalizing everything that we're trying to do here, you know, it's immense ideas. So thanks for coming in, and you know, it helps me focus on stuff too. Exactly, no, totally. So 
that's it thanks for listening in folks I am going to leave it there and finish off drinking uh, this uh, we've a couple of bottles left brown ale I'm bottles just kind of the uh, fridge is still fairly full look I'm reluctant I'm reluctant to stop because that means that's that I have to pour my own beer <laughs> can we go for another half hour here because uh, Miles can still keep serving me keep beer rocking, keep rocking keep rocking there could be comedy gold in there by comedy the time I might just let it roll we could have a box pop the smallest box pop of all time no look brilliant thanks so much and uh, I look forward to coming back maybe in three years time when the podcast has a global a bigger global inter- intergalatial reach and uh, yeah. this is gonna peace out blessings on St. Mel be upon you <laughs> thanks man Hey folks, you got to the end of another show. Thank you for persisting. I hope you enjoyed it as much as the others. So I'm just going to put a quick shout out for feedback. You can get in touch with me through the site. You can get in touch through Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's all on the robofthegreen.ie site and you can take it from there. Also, I'd love if you listen to on iTunes, leave a comment, give us a score out of five on the stars that are so much commonplace these days. I would really appreciate that if you did it. Whether it's good or bad, I can certainly take that. We'll, we'll make some improvements as we go. And yeah, I, I'll keep it short. I hope you enjoyed and I look forward to having you back for some more 1% Better podcasts in the future. Thank you and good luck. <laughs>